welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, Pastor Ryan's got a great word on community. Let's welcome him as well. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Reliance. Uh, if you're new, we want to say welcome for the first time. If you, uh, you've been here many times, you consider this your home church, we want to say welcome back. So um, it's good to have all you. Well, um, I, was, I was talking to the first service, and um, I was sharing a quick story at the beginning, but was, was anybody uh, kind of surprised by the storm last night? It kind of, I mean, it wasn't really forecasted. Um, now, storms shouldn't really surprise us necessarily in Kansas, but I'll be honest, this one did because uh, last night uh, I went to bed a little bit early, about an hour earlier than I normally do, and so I was pretty proud of myself because I, I wanted to like, you know, really feel like, man, I'm, I'm at peace, I'm at ease, like I feel refreshed giving the word this morning. Well, 1.30 a.m. rolled around, and I was in that deep REM sleep, and I was, I was dreaming, and it was good sleep. It's almost like that sleep where you feel like you're just kind of levitating off your bed. Like, it's good. It's good, right? You know what I'm talking about. I don't get that very often, but it felt, it felt really good. But all of a sudden, I, I get whacked by an elbow, okay? Now, and I, I, I you know, kind of startled, and um, if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that sometimes it can take days or or weeks or months where frustrations build and compound and, and then you really get mad at your spouse. Well, this was like zero to 60 in one second, right? <laughs> I get the elbow, I'm startled, and she goes, Ryan, I think I heard a sound. The, the front door opened, I know it. And I'm just like, what? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of up and down. I, I'm, I'm starting to stew a little because I'm mad. I just got woken out of this really awesome sleep. And so, uh, you know, Bree's like, go check it. And I kind of, you know, open my eyes, and I see a little bit of lightning out th- through the window, and I hear, hear, the, uh, hear the wind, and I know exactly what happened. Our front door doesn't always latch, right? And so we have one of those old-school latches where you, you kind of latch, and then it can, it's like the hotel room where it can open up a few inches, but you can't go all the way in. And so I know exactly what happened, and I'm like, you woke me up for that, right? So I go, and I, I, I close the door, and I get back in bed. Well, I don't get back to sleep for like an hour. Right? I'm stewing in bed. I'm like, seriously? You're sleeping soundly and I'm? Really? And, I'll, and, and I'm just stewing. So finally, after about an hour, I, I, I chill out a little. I'm like, okay, Lord, I guess if I'm up, if you have anything to say, you know, uh, this, is, this is my Samuel moment. Eli, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story, speak for your servant is listening. Um, maybe not with the greatest motives, but I'm listening regardless because I'm awake. Um, and I'd love to say that I, I heard something spiritually profound, but I, I didn't. Um, and so I'm still waiting if the Lord has any, you know, to redeem that elbow in my side. Um, but I say all that to say is, you know, marriage is, is a little difficult. Now, and it's good. It's challenging. I love it. It's beautiful. Bree, wherever you're at, I love you. I forgive you. But <laughs> m- marriage is marriage, right? And it takes work, and it takes effort, and it, it takes forgiveness and grace and all that. And I'm not preaching about marriage today, so uh, that story doesn't really fully apply, but it does in many regards because we are talking about community and relationship and doing life with one another. And so does anybody here know our mission statement at Reliance? Yeah, go ahead and put it on the screen because we've got a lot of read out. Creating and equipping disciples in Christ through reliance on him, his word, and one another. Now, that sign is also above where you get coffee, so if you're kind of half-dazed when you're getting coffee, you can read it above our, our place where you get coffee. But 
Um, when we started uh, Reliance several years ago, we really wanted to be an equipping center. And we didn't want to be it just because we thought that would be some nice new term that we should do. We felt that the Lord really imparted that to us, that we'd be an equipping center. And so here's the thing with that. We, we really are big on Jesus. We're big on the scriptures, which point to Jesus, his word. We're big on pointing one another towards Jesus. And Jesus is kind of a big deal to us. And so this morning, I want to start a series, uh, just a real short one, on the church, on community, the, the one another part of our mission statement. And so when we talk about the church in the coming weeks, um, I, want, I want you to understand it's not this building. This building will one day rust away, right? Whatever natural causes or the Lord comes back and whatever happens, this building will eventually fall apart. So I want to talk about the church as the body of Christ. It's the collection of believers who have put their hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the body I want to talk about, the collection of believers. It's, it's not a denomination. It's not some cool church name. I was funny. It's funny because when, when we were thinking about names to, for Reliance, um, Aaron kind of got the, the Reliance and the Lord kind of stirred it within his heart. But um, if you Google churches in Wichita, like half of them start with R, okay? I mean, and that's, that's fine, but we're like, Re Reliance? I mean, can we come up with something cooler? I don't know. You know, something more unique, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the Lord stirred that in his heart. And so, but it's more than just a church name. It's more than a church building, a denomination, an institution, a program. It's you. Amen. It's me. That's the church. Now, I've grown up in church uh, all my life. My dad um, was a pastor for 40 years. And um, he's since retired here the last few years, but he never really retired from ministry. So he still leads like two life groups. He preaches usually two to three times a month at different places. And I mean, he's, he's staying active with it. He loves Jesus and he loves people. So yeah, yeah, he's still in it, right? Um, but that's where I grew up. And then um, I've, been in, I've been in church ministry, serving in vocational church ministry for about 15 years or so. I took a couple year hiatus, and maybe we'll get to that story here in a bit. We'll see. Um, but I've seen, I've had a pretty decent perspective of church. And, and the truth is, in that time, I've loved the church. In that time, I've been a cynic of the church. In that time, I've been frustrated with the church. I've been sharpened by the church. I've been hurt by the church. I've been encouraged by the church and everything in between. I have a Again, a pretty wide perspective of the ups and downs of being the church. Now, this beautiful, broken, messy, grace-filled collection of believers has been part of my life for literally all my life. And here's the reality. It, it takes work, and it ain't easy, but I love you, right? <laughs> and God knows it takes work, and it ain't always easy for you to love this guy. Amen? That was a little too loud. My brother. Reach it. But that's the reality. There's no easy button in doing relationship and community with one another. Me and my wife were talking, um, I think it was just yesterday, uh, maybe a couple of days ago, and she was listening to a couple sermons on community, and um, they were referring to like that Staples easy button. Like, man, that would be nice, but that's not reality. There is no easy button in doing life with one another. So with that said, I think we need to jump a couple hurdles up front. We need to confess some realities in this very room right now. And so here's one of the realities that I know. Some of us have been legitimately disappointed, 
hurt, and or frustrated by the church. Anybody willing to confess that? I'm raising my hand high. I totally get that. I'm not, I'm not looking to minimize the pain you may feel or that you still feel from that, whatever it was, from that moment or those moments. But, but, but I am asking this morning that you submit to the Holy Spirit that hurt, that disappointment, that frustration, and, and receive God's grace in it because it's time to move forward. As gently and as lovingly as I can say, it's time, okay? Time to move forward. So there's, there's one hurdle, I get that. Another reality, another hurdle maybe for some of us in here is this. For some of us, we have been stewing on a cynical view that the church is just a hypocritical bunch of saints. And we say that kind of saints, right? And there is some truth to that. We are called saints according to the scripture. Did you know that? If you said yes to Jesus, you're called a saint. You may not think of yourself like that, but that's the way scripture refers to you. So maybe that truth needs to soak in this morning. And also there is truth that, yes, we can be hypocritical. Do you know the Apostle Paul, who I revere and, of course, churches revere, and, man, he wrote over half the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says this, I do what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do. What's Paul saying there? He's saying, I can be a hypocrite. So church, we need to confess. I confess as a believer in Christ that sometimes I can live in hypocritical ways. I say one thing and do another. I confess that. The church needs to confess that. So there's another hurdle. And, and the reality of that is that, again, some of us hold that cynical view. I, I lived that cynical view for several years. And you're thinking, wow, you're a pastor. Yeah, if you knew what, uh, you know, some of the jacked up thoughts, you know, that I have to give to the Lord daily, yeah, sometimes you'd be like, why are you a pastor? I'm just being real, Right? I actually left the, I didn't leave the church, but I actually got out of full-time vocational ministry about four years ago because of the church, and I include myself in that. Because of the brokenness of the church and the brokenness in myself, I got out of full-time vocational ministry. Now, I still served in some capacity and still went, and it was great. The Lord, the Lord redeemed and restored um, some things in my heart, and I found a new love for the bride and for the church, and it was a beautiful thing, but I held a cynical view for, for a bit of time. And so I know this all too well. And here's the thing that I do know. I know that Satan wants to fan the flame of bitterness and cynicism and frustration, and he'd love nowhere better to fan that flame than right here in the body of Christ. And I, I think some of us have taken that bait. And we've wandered from the truth that we find in Ephesians 6, verse 12, which says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against one another. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the high places. We've been taking offense at one another for far too long, and it's damaged relationships, it's created hardened hearts, and it's hurt our witness to those around us. And friends, same deal as that first hurdle. It's time to get some fresh grace, extend grace, and to move forward. I want to say that gently and lovingly, because I've been there. I've been hurt. I know that hurdle. I've been a cynic. I know that hurdle. But it's time to move forward. And then lastly, maybe one of the hurdles, some of us, the reality in here is that some of us are just simply disinterested in church or doing community with others. For whatever reason, maybe we're busy. I know you guys are busy. I know I'm busy. I got six kids. I know busyness. I know busy work. Um, I get that. 
but maybe we just don't care. Maybe we'd rather do something else or whatever the reason. You fill in the blank. Maybe you know in your heart. We dabble a little with Christian community on Sunday mornings, but would rather steer clear of truly vulnerable, authentic Christian relationship the other six days of the week. And we're going to address that here in a moment. So let's, there's realities we face. There's hurdles we face. I get that. I just want to be upfront about those. And I want, I want you to think about even your best relationships. Go ahead. Get a picture in mind of a great, healthy relationship that you have. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with a sibling, a brother or sister that you're really close to. Think about that relationship. Even your best relationships take work and effort and energy and sacrifice and humility and grace. Even your best, healthiest relationships, they take work. And sometimes those relationships can get a little cross, right? <laughs> Amen. A little elbow to the side in the 1.30 a.m. in the morning, right? Sometimes they become a little bit stagnant. You have to humble yourself, extend grace, and the other person has to do the same for you. And I think this is why Solomon writes in Proverbs 27, 17. This is, this is a great scripture. You may have heard it before in church. Um, maybe you're familiar with it, but it says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, we have generally used this scripture, and we're like, that is awesome. I'm going to sharpen you. You're going to sharpen me. And this is, there. yeah, we're going to be sharpened together. But guess what? There's friction involved. If you really get down to the heart of that, there's friction, and there's a whole lot of it. It doesn't just peel off real nice and easy. Like, it takes work. And some of you are like, yeah, I've been ground for a long time, right? Like, people and, and the Lord have been grinding on me a long time. And maybe, that's, maybe you just need to receive that. But, but iron sharpens iron by being in contact with one another. Amen? Amen? So to be sharpened implies being in contact. And yes, there is friction, but here is the good news. The more it is in contact, the more it is refined into the desired shape to be used for its intended purpose. Friends, God has purposes for your life. Do you believe that? We say that in church, but do you really believe that? He does. He didn't create you on accident. You weren't an afterthought. In fact, Ephesians 2, chapter 10 says this. He says, you are God's masterpiece. Do you consider yourself a masterpiece in the Lord? He says, you're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that, that God prepared for you in advance to do. It's going to take some sharpening. God has purposes and plans for us. I want to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 19 through 22. It says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members in his household. That's pretty cool to think about. You're members in his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built. Being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You're being built. You notice that verb tense? You're not a finished product yet. Amen. I'm not a finished product. We're not a finished product yet. Like We are being built. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not finished yet. <laughs> Maybe turn to yourself and say, I'm not finished yet, right? Give yourself some grace. It's okay. We're works in progress. Now, 
some seasons of building seem longer than others. And it's funny because when I was thinking about, you know, buildings and being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, <laughs> the Lord drew me a picture. And some seasons take longer than others. And for some, it might be real long, like the construction on Kellogg, <laughs> right? Like literally, that's where I was drawn to when I thought of this. I was thinking of, okay, Lord, however long it takes, right? But think about your own household. Maybe the one you grew up in or the one that you're currently in. Think about your relationships. Think about the dynamics of that household. As a member of that household, you have a responsibility to your family. You have a responsibility to each individual member of that household. Now, you don't get to throw in the towel on your family because you got to spill up milk, right? I got six kids. So I know about messes. Like this week, I, uh, actually, it was last Thursday, I took the day off. Um, and it was preparing for a busy week this week, and so I, I, I took the day off, kind of took a, uh, yeah, just a day to, to chill, and literally every spill possible, imaginable, happened that day. And so I wanted to veg like on the couch and just chill, and there goes a bowl of soup, literally, chicken noodle soup, and it spills. I'm like, clean it up, and, and then there goes milk, Kamaya's milk, just, and it goes all over the wall, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. But I don't get to throw in the towel just because of, of milk being spilled or just because I have to do the laundry or because we have disagreements on, on how to fold laundry or how the dishes go in the dishwasher. I mean, right? That's a little too close for home for some of you, huh? But we, we don't get to throw in the towel. We don't storm out for months or years at a time because you didn't do it my way or because of different personalities. Again, six kids, I know about different personalities, and that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a complex thing, but it's a beautiful thing, too. But I don't throw in the towel because God created them differently, with a different personality, a way of doing it. Unfortunately, though, this, uh, this very scenario happens in the church. God's household between brothers and sisters and Jesus. This, this scenario plays out sometimes. And we treat church like we treat the next insurance agent, you don't give me what I want, I'll go find somebody who will. And brothers and sisters, that is a consumeristic view of the church, of community. And I'm just going to be quite frank with you, that is, that is one of the most self-serving ways to view church. And it's extremely shallow. I, I mean, I've been there. I, I wanted the church to look real green on the other side, right? And the Lord's like, you need to water the grass you're in. I want to I be uh, frank about Reliance. We're not a country club. There's no membership perks here. I mean, I love y'all, and you look great. <laughs> there ain't much. <laughs> I mean, you get Pastor Aaron, that's about all you get. Now. <laughs> no, but there is no membership perks. I mean, again, I, I love y'all, you look great, but there's nothing fancy about us. And, and here's what I want to tell you. We're a simple household of believers that needs its family members to understand the responsibility and roles to serve in the kingdom together. Even in the midst of frustrations, even in the midst of tensions, even in the midst of brokenness. Amen. Let me read that first part one more time. We are a simple household of believers that needs its family members to understand their responsibilities and roles to serve in the kingdom together. <laughs> we have Jesus. We should operate a bit differently. 
me and my wife were watching a show. It was a documentary the, uh, the other day, and it was about a Christian organization and um, the way they were doing things. And there was a really cynical guy uh, on the show, and he's just like, I can't believe Christians would do that. And it was kind of like, basically what Christians were doing was being Christian. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe they do that. And it, and it got me thinking, like, we should look weird to the world. Like, I'm not just going to be weird to be weird. That's, that's dumb. But living God's ways, it should seem a little bit weird to the world because it's contrary to the patterns of this world. Romans 12, 2, great passage of Scripture. I think Aaron uh, uh, shared it last week. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So, therefore, that verse implies that there are patterns of this world. I'm sure I don't have to, like, toss them all out there because you probably know many of the patterns. Bitterness, brokenness, frustration, Tensions that boil over into unforgiveness and serious conflict and anger. And you, you, know, you get what I'm saying. There are patterns of this world, but God's ways are higher than our ways. God's standards are higher than our standards. And we need to come up a little higher, brothers and sisters, in our, in our household under the headship of God. And so let me give you a little for instance. The world's pattern says this. If you and I have conflict and tension, then I'll talk behind your back, and I have the right to do so. I'll create drama for you, and I have every right to be bitter towards you. That's my right. You wronged me. I have that right. That's the world's pattern. But Paul says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. God's kingdom is set apart. And this is what God's kingdom principle says. When, not if... You and I have a conflict and tension as brothers and sisters in Christ. We will choose to extend grace. We will seek forgiveness. We will choose to honor one another instead of tear each other down. We choose kingdom principles and patterns because we've chosen to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the ways of Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's contrary to the patterns of this world. It should look differently. And it takes work. It takes effort, friends. If you've signed up for a church because you thought it was going to be easy living, well, you've probably been disappointed. It takes work. And I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there that I think some of us need to surrender some pride today and walk in humility before God and one another again. Amen? I'm going to raise both hands on that. Because I was dealing with even pride as I was, as I was writing this message. It's so interesting how the, how the Lord works when you're writing a message. Every stinking time he gets up in my business. Right? Like, I knew I was talking on community. I knew I was talking on community for several weeks, and he gets up in my business a week and a half ago, and, and Bree and I had a disagreement with a, another brother and sister in Christ, and it wasn't terrible, but it was, it was a disagreement nonetheless, and it still hasn't been ironed out. But guess what? I love those people. And we had to remind each other of Ephesians chapter 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We will not allow any bitterness to come between us. We need to remind each other of that very principle. That's how you walk it out daily. Remind one another of that very principle. Charles Spurgeon, he's a renowned preacher in the, the mid-1800s. He once said this. He said, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I never would have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. 
It says this, still and perfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Still and perfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone. And then the testimony for God would be lost to the world. Wow. I'm just happy to know in the mid-1800s, they still struggled, right? <laughs> Imperfect people and God's grace is still sufficient. So, I mean, with, with that said, with what Spurgeon said here, I'm not going to try to sell you that reliance is going to be a place that's not going to disappoint you. If you haven't been disappointed or frustrated or, or hurt yet, just give us some time. I mean, I literally have 10 more minutes of preaching. There's a probable chance, <laughs> right? And I, I don't mean to downplay that. I, I'm not trying to say we're, we're, we're trying to. What's the reality of living in community with people? I mean, you think of any relationship you have, there's been tension probably in every single one of them. So as much as you or my, I might want to just go rogue and do this thing on our own, the reality is this. One, if we tried, we'd be picked off pretty easily by the enemy. He likes isolated victims, and it's a whole lot easier. And then two, Lone Ranger Christianity, it's not even biblical. So yeah, you might want to take that with Jesus, I'm just saying. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this. Let us hold tightly. Clench your fist real quick. Kind of in a tight fashion. It says, let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You can release the grip now. But it goes on to say this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his, is, of his return is drawing near. I love verse 24. It says, let us think of ways. What does that verse imply? It, it implies intentionality. It, it, it implies premeditated intentionality. Like, I want to be thinking of ways that I can spur on another brother or sister in Christ. Now, sometimes I think in, in church we may stumble across motivating one another and encouraging one another, and that's, that's great. But think of how much more dynamic we could be if we literally were like, man, I want to encourage Ben Hall today. How can I do that when I, when I bump into him later? You know, I, it could be as simple as saying, Ben Hall, how can I pray for you? He's like, wow, somebody's thinking about me. Wow, the power of prayer. Wow, the power of community. Think of ways. Think. Be intentional. Living and doing life in community with other believers is a biblical mandate. The author of Hebrews knows that without intentional acts of motivating one another, meeting together, encouraging one another, and so on, we are very much prone. I know myself. I'm very much prone to wavering in my faith, to releasing that grip just a little bit more and wavering and wavering and wavering. So plainly put, we need one another. It's biblical. It's God's command. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. It's a super weak way to say it, but what's the start? <laughs> I need you. Here's the thing. Community, <laughs> there's some chuckling going on. Yes, we do need even the funny ones. And, yeah, all the, Here's the thing. Community is both a noun and a verb. Because community in the noun sense is a collection of believers. And I think that's probably what the world considers us, is just a noun. But there's a verb part to community. 
because it's the biblical mandate to do life with other believers. That's the verb that I think sometimes the world misses, that the world, if they did see it, their eyes would be open to the revelation of Christ and who he is, his love extended, his grace extended to a broken world. Amen? And so it's both a noun and a verb. And the verb we're going to call one anothering. Okay, we're going to create a verb today, all right? I'm not an, like English was always my worst subject. Um, Man, I just don't, anyway, doesn't matter. But uh, just confession time, all right? But one anothering, we're just going to create a word, okay? It's a verb. It's the biblical mandate to do life and community with other believers. Now, in in your chairs, um, it was about every other one, there is a list of 42 one another's that we find in the New Testament. And you know how I got this list? It's crazy. I sat down and I met with another believer in Christ who said, hey, have you ever seen this? And he created the list. I'm like, no, I haven't. This is awesome. Thank you for sharpening me. There we go. One another in action. So if you have it, bust it out, okay? And if you don't have one, scoot over to your neighbor who does, and let's one another here for a moment, all right? Let's put this into practice. Take a minute. We're gonna, I'll give you 30 seconds. Speed read through those. Let the Holy Spirit speak, and, and maybe there's one or two that'll pop out to you, encourage you, convict you, whatever it might be. Just take 30 seconds. So let me just read a few that popped out to me this week. And maybe these did as well to you, or maybe some different. But it says this, the one another's in the New Testament. It says, be at peace with each other. That's number five on the list. It says, be humble with one another, number nine. Now, these aren't in any certain order because of numbering. It's just alphabetical. So be humble with one another. Number 12, be patient with one another. Number 16, carry each other's burdens. Number 20, don't grumble against one another. Mm. Number 26, forgive one another. Number 32, love one another. Number 38, submit to one another. Number 40, value others above yourselves. Now I pray that the Holy Spirit meets you as you read these. And I I pray that you'll take these, you'll put them on your your desk at work, you'll put them in, in your house, wherever your nightstand. And as you read these, you will think about Hebrews 10 where it says, think about ways to motivate one another. Read those and think about a name. Say, Lord, is there somebody that I can submit to? That's a tough one. Just somebody that I need to be more patient with. I'm sure that while you looked at this list, you were both encouraged and and you're probably a bit convicted. I was. And, And the reality is it's because the Holy Spirit is in the room. He's in our midst. He's among us. He's in us. And the Holy Spirit's conviction is actually a beautiful thing. It's actually a needed thing for the believer and for the body. And also, it's conviction for me because I think the church by and large is not always held in high regard. Because we've made one anothering a doctrinal statement instead of actually a life lived out for one another in submission to one another, in honoring one another. It's easy to, to say, oh man, I wanna go do that, and I wanna, I wanna submit to one another, and I wanna honor one another, I wanna love, and I wanna forgive, and I wanna value others. It takes work and effort to actually walk that out, to be the hands and feet. 
the body, to get messy, to get dirty, to get low and say, I'm sorry. Can you imagine, though, the effect on the world around us if Christians began to walk these out? I think the world would be blown away. Instead of going towards the world's patterns, we said, no, I live kingdom principle because I live for Jesus. Here's the thing. I know as you look at that list, some of those probably are uncomfortable for you right now. When you think about, I gotta pray for somebody else, I don't know if I've ever done that. James 5.16, or another part of James 5.16 says, says, confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. Or submitting to one another, Ephesians 5.21. Here's what I wanna, I wanna encourage you with. God isn't so much concerned with our comfort as he is our character, our trust in him and his ways, and us truly loving one another. I'm not saying it's not uncomfortable, but I'm saying we need through the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to move beyond that uncomfort to places where he takes us. With that said, this week uh, I've been part of a, uh, a group text with a, with a dear spiritual mother in our family, Nancy Tant, I believe she's here in this service. And, um, and she's been communicating through text with a, a missionary brother in, in Africa. His name's James Kong Bell. And um, he's an indigenous African missionary. And so he has a huge heart for his own people. Northern Kenya, kind of Southern Sudan. And um, man, the guy has just, he's sold out for Jesus. And she was sharing with me yesterday in, in text. Um, she said, did you know in that 2013, James Kong Bell, for 90 days, three months, basically had his life threatened every single day. Every single day. But instead of retreating, instead of seeking his own safety, now there's times to seek discernment in that, but instead of seeking his own safety, he actually started prayer meetings in those places where his life was threatened. I just thought, wow. And then she shared, again, this, through this group text, she says, James has been on assignment to go into southern Sudan. And he's described the opposition that he's faced in the last few weeks, and just in the last few days, in fact. And these are some of the obstacles. He's had to seek safety in the house of the local governor of the region because his, his life was in danger. Instead of going by land, he has to take a riverboat up the Nile River, which will take six to seven days, simply because it's safer. Several pastors he has that he was with, they've gone back. He's eaten one meal a day, and he's not sure how he's going to eat on his six to seven day riverboat journey. They don't provide food on the riverboat. But this is, this is what he said to Nancy. He said, thanks for your prayers and for sharing with the brethren. Blessings. The last communication will only be today because once we shall start the journey in the river, there will be no communication. When we suffer for Christ, I am glad, as that is where he has called me to serve him. Thanks for your prayers, Mom. That's what he calls Nancy. Without you and the brethren, it would be hard and difficult for me to go through all of these. I believe that, Mom, I will keep doing what God wants me to do till he comes. Tore me up in the first service, too. Let's pray for James. God, thank you for our dear brother James and wherever he's at. If he's on the river today, Lord, I pray that you would be his, 
his sustainer, his provider of the physical needs that he needs of food and water. Lord, I pray that you would provide for him the spiritual power, Lord, to see this mission through, to see lives come to you, Jesus. I'm so inspired by James. Never met the guy. But thank you for the dear brother who puts his life on the line for your name's sake. God bless him wherever he's at. I pray that you'd encourage him in spirit right now, knowing that the brethren are praying for him thousands of miles away. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Here's the thing. A guy like James inspires me. And it's amazing how 5,000 miles away he can inspire me to deny myself, take up my cross, and live more faithfully to Jesus in Wichita, Kansas. And what's amazing to me is that he's blessed and encouraged by the brethren 5,000 miles away praying for him. That's what the body of Christ looks like. This is what the body of Christ looks like. Globally, locally, in a local church, praying for one another, ministering to one another, encouraging one another, thinking of ways that we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Friends, the bottom line is this. God designed us to be in relationship with one another. And I know it's not easy. I know it's messy. I've been hurt by the church. I've hurt people in the church. It's time that we walk in grace and in the truth of Jesus Christ. Pastor Eugene Peterson, I'm going to end with this here in a moment, but Pastor Gene, uh, Eugene Peterson, he's the one who wrote the message translation uh, of, the, of the Bible, and he's, he's in his late 80s, I believe now, and as a pastor, and he said this, church is the textured context in which we grow up in Christ to maturity. But church is difficult. Sooner or later, though, if we are serious about growing up in Christ, we have to deal with the church, and I say sooner. I want to leave you with a few applications here and allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants in your heart. But I want you to chew on a few things. I think that some of us in here, we need to start with our own hearts. I know we all do, honestly. And I know there's been disappointments. I know there's been hurts. I know there's been frustrations. And I'm asking you to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in the room in this moment and allow him to speak to that tender place in your heart. Maybe you need to seek forgiveness. Maybe you just need to surrender and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the bitterness that I've been harboring towards a brother or sister in Christ for X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Confess it. Confess it to the Holy Spirit. And I challenge you, if you have been harboring a hurt or a frustration, also talk to a brother and sister in Christ. Let them motivate you and inspire you and encourage you. So I think some of us need to start there. Secondly, we can't spur one another on if we don't actually spend time with one another. And so maybe some of us in this room, we need to submit our schedules and our life's order again to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I need margins so I can meet with another brother or sister in Christ, so I can be in a life group. We don't just do life groups because they're nice social events. I'm not for that. I I have no desire to be a part of that. We do life groups because we want to minister to one another, because we want to be equipped as the household members of the faith, knowing our responsibility to one another and encouraging and uplifting one another. When you just think about that, man, does that not just bring hope to your soul that we can be that? So maybe we need to submit our schedules to the Lord and create time. So let's just take a moment 
maybe for a minute here and just, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it from today that you have for me? What is it that I can take that I needed to hear, that I need to be encouraged by, convicted by? Just take 30 seconds to a minute. Just, just let the Holy Spirit minister to you in this moment. Spirit, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the presence among us. And uh, we, we are just asking you to do what only you can do, Jesus. And that is to mold and change human hearts. It's not through powerful persuasions of words or lights or music. It's simply through your presence. Simply through your presence. So we submit to you, Holy Spirit, in this moment. And ask you to speak to our hearts and to our minds. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.